The month of November is dedicated, as you probably know, to praying for the holy souls in purgatory. November begins with All Saints Day on the 1st and then All Souls Day on the 2nd. And so we live this whole month mindful of the doctrine of the communion of saints. This means that everyone who is baptised in Christ joins the multitude of those who are connected with each other throughout time and space and even beyond bodily death. The Church triumphant in heaven are brothers and sisters to the Church suffering in purgatory and to us the Church militant here on earth. All of us have been or are still on the same journey towards that perfect life with the Most Holy Trinity, which is supreme, definitive happiness and the fulfilment of all our longing. And so we prayed in the collect of today's Mass that God would keep us from all adversity so that we could pursue this and all that is God's, unhindered in mind and body. Some years ago I read an article written by Cardinal Schoenborn, the Cardinal Archbishop of Vienna. He argued that so many modern Christians don't take seriously the last things of death, judgment, heaven and hell. And because of this they are less dynamic, less purposeful, even less committed to doing great things for Christ, for the Church and for the world. Here is how he put it, and I quote, Something very strange has taken place in recent years. Christians have lost touch with heaven. Of the desire for heaven, our heavenly home, we hear hardly a word. It is as if Christians have lost the orientation that for centuries defined the direction of our journey. We have forgotten that we are pilgrims and that the goal of our pilgrimage is heaven. Connected with this is another loss. We largely lack the awareness that we are on a dangerous pilgrim path and it is possible for us to miss our goal. To put it bluntly, we do not long for heaven. We take it for granted we will get there. End of quote. The story of the Maccabean martyrs who chose a painful and cruel death is given to us in these last weeks of the church year to strengthen us for endurance so that our feet may not falter but remain steadfast on the path that Christ has set our feet upon. Indeed, all the martyrs throughout the centuries are our examples in this. Let me tell you of one such that you may not have heard of. He is a martyr of that time in England's history where there was not only the separation from Rome and the creation of a new church of England, but also a concerted effort to stamp out the Catholic religion. His name was Roger Reno, spelt W-R-E-N-N-O, and he was born in Chorley in Lancashire, in 1568. 
Like many in Lancashire, he was a weaver and not well off. In 1616 he was arrested for harbouring the priest Father John Thules, a crime that was punishable by death, and both of them were imprisoned in Lancaster Castle. They managed to escape, but after walking all night, they found they had been going around in circles and were still within sight of their prison. They were recaptured and condemned to death. They were offered their lives if they would recant their faith. Both of them refused. Blessed John Thules was martyred in the usual way of that time of being hung, drawn and quartered. And then came Blessed Roger's turn. Roger was a strong and fit man, and when they placed the noose around his neck, he hung for a few seconds and then the rope broke, and he fell to the ground, somewhat dazed and partly conscious. Upon regaining consciousness, he knelt up and said his prayers. Seeing what had happened as divine intervention, the sheriff said to him, quote, It is God's will that thou shouldst not die. Take the oath, therefore, and be a good subject, and the king will show mercy. Roger refused, and a new rope was sent for. And when it arrived, blessed Roger ran up the stairs to the gibbet. When asked why he was in such a hurry, he replied, If you had seen what I have just seen, you would be as much in haste to die as I am now. Blessed Roger saw heaven, and he longed to be there even more than remaining in this life. He had the briefest glimpse of what is called the beatific vision. Relying on Holy Scripture, the Catechism explains the beatific vision this way, and I quote, Those who die in God's grace and friendship and are perfectly purified, live forever with Christ. They are like God forever, for they see him as he is, face to face. This happens directly, without the mediation of any other person or creature, and only because God opens himself to the contemplation of the soul who is ready and able to behold him. The end of the quote. This is why we pray for the dead, because not every soul at the moment of death may be ready and able to behold God face to face, but needs further purification and preparation in purgatory. Remember that purgatory is a place of hope, because heaven is assured upon achieving the holiness necessary to enter there. St. Paul points out in the Epistle, what we, really, what we readily know from our own experience, as well as from the lives of the martyrs, namely, that there will always be people who do not have the faith, and some of these will treat us very badly, giving us the message that it's better to leave the faith in the Church. Nevertheless, just as he has done for all the martyrs in their pains and torments and death, God's good help, his grace, will comfort our hearts and help us to persevere in every good work and deed. 
This life is short, but eternity is long. Laudato Jesus Christus, and may blessed John Thules and blessed Roger Reno pray for us.